question. When, when has God, God failed us? Answer, that's a stupid question. Poem done. No. Let's unpack this a little. Um, He's perfect, always has been, always will be. Made earth and man perfect, and we failed him. But wait, define failed. Who you talking about when you say God? The transcendent Elohim? That's why I don't get what your question means. He's perfect, always has been. This is similar to asking Alaskans how you deal with all that heat. Wait, why you laughing? Though honestly, I've thought so. I've labeled those times wasted patience, a letdown, like Santa skipping over your town. A not-so-sweet sound clash in the beat-beat-pound-ass. We speak loud as a million and one trumpets of pride. And my stomach was rumbling louder than music. Like, here's my God, when you gonna use it? The truth is, the failure was not God's. I just lusted for his job. When has God failed us? As if I'm equipped to attempt to answer. And predicting the end is like putting a Band-Aid on cancer. When has God failed us? As if you know what you need. Like if that boy or girl leaves you, you would cease to breathe. Remember that? Remember that? He was your sun, your no moon, moon, your no stars. stars. You would text her just to say, God bless you. So warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Funny. Funny. How wrong you were on that one. Good thing God didn't listen to you. Losing is winning on this side of the redemption. When has God failed us? The answer is never, never can, ever will. Be still. Perfection is never less than that. You can rest in that. Let reach rap. When has God failed us? I guess the question really is, All right. I guess he left that as an open-ended, right? I was like, How's everybody doing today? You guys all right? All right, all right. We're going to make some noise. Y'all going to make some noise with me today? That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to need it. Um, So last week, um, as you guys know, we had some technical difficulties with the um, podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rehash and I'm going to add some flavor to chapter one. Then we're going to move on to chapter two. Is that all right? All right. So all I'm going to ask y'all guys to do is just go right to chapter one on uh, Book of Ruth. Um, I'm just going to flow through the whole chapter, then we're going to flow through chapter two, and then whatever we don't finish today, um, we're going to finish on Wednesday at Bible study. You guys ready? All right, Book of Ruth, the first chapter, uh, starting at the first verse. When you get there, say amen. All right, Ruth, first chapter, starting at the first verse. It says, now it came to pass... In the days when the judges ruled, Evangelist Davis preached my whole entire message today, so I ain't got to say much. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, um, and and she hit off on a great point, because if you go up to the previous verse of the last chapter of the book of Judges, it says that the people did what they thought was right in their own eyesight. So it gives you an idea of the climate of where Israel is at this point. You guys with me? So at this point, Joshua has already come. They have conquered the land. They have uh, delegated and given each portion, each 12 tribes, a portion of their land. So, uh, 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 Benjamin, you got this. Uh, uh, Judah, you have this. Levi, you don't own nothing because you're the priest. Uh, Dan, you have some of this area. All of the 12 tribes at this point has been distributed, distributed their portion of the land. So now they're established in their land. Joshua dies, and now God raises up a group called Judges. 
And this is where we get Gideon. This is where we get Deborah. This is where we get Samson. This is where we get all of these different judges during this era. But the problem that we notice, if you ever read the book of Judges, anybody ever read the book of Judges before? Anybody? All right, y'all ready? If you notice the book of Judges, it's like a roller coaster. The people are doing good, and then they start doing bad, and then God raises up another judge, and they're doing good, and then they're doing bad, and then God raises up another judge. So what does that tell you? It tells you that many a times when God puts us in a place of rest or when God gives us blessings, uh, you have to be careful not to get caught up in the blessing and lose focus on the God that blesses. Are y'all with me? You cannot get so caught up in the blessing. See, sometimes uh, God will put us through tests and he'll give us blessings just to see how you'll be able to maintain it and still worship him after he blesses you. Y'all with me? And we see a lot of folks and God begins to bless. You begin to see that their worship begins to drift off. You begin to see our praise begins to drift off. We begin to see uh, uh, you, you start questioning whether or not everything is as necessary as it used to be. Because now, after God has blessed you, your relationship with him seems to fade. So Israel is at a point where their relationship is starting to fade. Because now we finally got to the land that we fought for hundreds of years for. And we're chilling. Many people believe that this was written during the time of Gideon, because when you read the book of Gideon, it's the only time in the book of Judges where it speaks of a famine. But it did not speak of a famine in the sense of uh, the land drying up. But the Bible says, if you go uh, back to the, the days of Gideon, that the Midianites would come into Israel and take everything that came during the harvest season. The Midianites had possession over the Israelites. So what happens here during this time is now uh, her husband... Uh, no, I'm at, I'm at first chapter, first chapter. Now we see that her husband has now got, uh, allowed this circumstance of this famine to affect him. And he moves his family out of Israel, watch this, into the fields of Moab. If you read the King James Version, it does not say the country, meaning that they didn't even get into the city. They lived in the fields of Moab. They were nomads. So watch this. Y'all with me? What they did was they left their land. Watch this. They mortgaged their land, took the money, and went to another country. They didn't just leave, but they sold all of their property, took the money, and went to a strange land because times got tough. Y'all with me? Bethlehem, Judah was their inheritance. It was a place that their ancestors fought for. It was the place that they went to battle for. And now things have got tough. And now that things have got tough, the Bible says that he leaves, mortgages his land, and goes on. Now watch this. The famine couldn't have been that bad. Because if you notice, when Naomi comes back, the same people were there. Which tells us that the famine in Israel wasn't even that bad. Elkanah hit a bump. And a bump caused him to run from God. He allowed a tough time to move him. 
Y'all with me? His name is Elkanah. Elkanah means God is my king. But yet he does not allow the king to rule every part of his life. It reminds me of so many of us that we call ourselves Christians and we can praise God when times are great. Go Jesus, go Jesus, go Jesus, go. But when we hit a tough time, we start to run. He allows himself to get in a strange place because of a dry season. I'm going to say it again. He allows himself to go to a strange place because of a dry season. I'm going to take my time today. We're going to work this text. Y'all with me? Look at your neighbor and say, don't allow tough times to put you in strange places. What are you saying, Pastor Joel? I'm going through financially. And now I don't want to be bothered with anyone. So now I isolate myself from my friends. I isolate myself from my family. I'm going through. And now I'm going to a strange place in a strange space where no one can witness and, and, and reach me because I ran away. And too many times, I tell myself the truth. I'm going to be honest with myself. Too many times when I get in hard places, I try to isolate myself, which is the worst time to isolate yourself. When you get in a tough time, that's the best time to get amongst believers. I'll say that again. <laughs> the best time to get around believers is your toughest time. This is not the time to run. I hope this podcast is working today because this is going to hit somebody. This is not the time to run. This is the time that if I'm in a tough time, I need to get on the phone and get a prayer partner. Yes, sir. Yes. Say, Kara, I'm going through. I need you to pray with me. But I'm not going to run because I hit a famine. Because you know what happens here, y'all? Because he runs, he now leaves his family in a strange place too. So now he dies. And when he dies, he leaves his family in a strange place. So now Naomi is trying to put pieces together in a strange place, but she can't go back because they no longer have property. They sold everything. And they're not even in the center of Moab. They're in the fields of Moab, meaning that even the Moabites wouldn't let them in. Is this, is this hitting the day or I'm just talking to myself? So now, and she's sitting here for a while and she says, well, at least I got my two boys. But watch this. The two boys have issues too. Y'all with me? Next verse. The names of the, one, the sons were Mylon and Shilion. Mylon Wasting, his name means to waste, waste away. And Shalion, which means sickly. You got a son wasting away in a strange place. And then you got another son sick in a strange place. Watch this. When there's a bomb in Gilead. 
Oh, y'all, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk today. Y'all, 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 y'all listen to it later and you'll enjoy it. You have a sick son and you took him from the place of the God that healeth thee into a land of Moab. You have another son that's wasting away, wasting away with a drug habit, wasting away with alcoholism, wasting away with issues. And because things got tough, you moved him from a place where God could fix him into a strange place. And because they're in a strange place, they have nothing else to do but to connect with strange things. So now they marry Moabitess. Children of incest. They marry Moabitess. Women that are known for having seducing spirits. When you have time, read Numbers 25. You guys, we, we always go to Numbers 23 and 19. We, most of us, we grew up in the same church. You know that, that scripture by heart. But how many of us have ever, ever read the whole entire story with Balaam and Balak? Because you begin to understand that after God brought them through, the Bible says that the children of Israel went back into their sin. And they began to sleep with the Moabitess women who seduced them. And the scripture messed me up because it said that it turned the men into prostitutes. <laughs> These girls turn men out. Y'all, y'all quiet. This is where Ruth comes from. Now you go to Deuteronomy 23 and 3. You do that when you get home. You ain't got to go there now. And it says that a Moabite or an Ammonite shall not enter into the house of God for 10 generations. But Milan and Shilion marries them which now closes their access to getting into the presence of the Lord. So you ask yourself, why in the world would you allow them to marry them? And the answer is because Naomi and Emelech never planned on going back. So it didn't matter whether or not my sons went to church. Emelech moved them in a place where they couldn't worship because remember, the tabernacle was in Israel. Or the, 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 yeah, the tabernacle was in Israel. So they weren't worshiping. And when you're not worshiping, you connect with strange things. So now the two sons die. And Naomi doesn't even have a son to bring provision for her. This isn't 2019 where women can get up and get a job. She now has no provision for herself. And the Bible says, and word came back that God brought food back to Israel. And the Bible says, and she turns her way to go back. Help me, Jesus. You have to understand that sometimes tragedy will turn you back to God. Y'all quiet in here. Why is my life chaotic and why is all hell breaking loose and why is this and how did I lose this person and how did I lose this job? And when you begin to think about it, you begin to say, you know what? After all that happened, I turned my back back to God. She went through chaos to lead her back to where she belonged. 
She has no property. She has nothing to go back to. But like Evangelist David said, there must have been something in her that connected to Ruth and said, I want that. (laughs) Can you imagine how powerful your anointing is, Kara, when you have no possession and, 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 and you really have nothing to offer, but the anointing on you is so powerful that a person says, I still want to connect to you. <laughs> Naomi has nothing to offer Ruth. And Ruth says, there's still something about you to where your God will be my God. And the Bible says, and she cleaves to Naomi. And they go back to the land. Watch this. Ruth, the unbeliever, had to encourage Naomi, the believer. (laughs) Sometimes God will connect folks with you to strengthen your faith when you're supposed to be the strongest person. We'll holler in a minute. So now, Naomi is walking back home. We're going to get to the second chapter now. And when she walks back home, she has nothing. She has no possessions. She's of a certain age, which means most likely she won't get married again. Because in those times, men wanted wives so that they could have children. And not only that, but watch this. But she's bringing a strange girl with her back. You have to realize how weird this looks. And when the people see her, they're looking to encounter the old Naomi. Because Naomi's name means pleasant. Talked about this last week. They're looking to encounter with the old pleasant Naomi they remember when she left. Oh, y'all know those homies. I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving Jersey. It's boring. I'm going down. And now you back. Uh-huh, I'm moving in here, y'all. Y'all stay here in Jersey where it's cold. Now you back. And we're looking for that same joy that you had when you was telling us to kiss your tail because you was leaving town. <laughs> you said y'all got some friends like that, too. And now they look at her and they're looking for the same joy. And she says, don't call me Naomi. But call me Mara. Which means bitter. She changes her own name. Not only does she change her own name, but she becomes disillusioned into believing that it was God's fault. Because she says, for the Lord's hand was upon this. I'm paraphrasing. And that's some of us sometimes when we go through trials and tribulations, we try to blame God, but we don't think about the ultimate decision that got us to where we were. (laughs) Oh, I've been there. Maybe maybe God just, you know, (laughs) no, 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 no. Maybe you're dealing with the repercussions of your decisions. Y'all quiet here. So now she puts, she goes here and she's back home. With no, help me God, I feel like preaching today. With no possessions, with no land, with no money, with no husband, 
with no sons and a strange girl. <laughs> she has nothing to offer. And she's become hopeless. But thank God she connected to a person that was a so-called unbeliever that still had hope. That's why I told you when you are under your toughest times, that is not the best time to isolate yourself. That's the best time to get around somebody that still has hope. And that's why she needs to thank God for Ruth, because if she would have went back by herself, she would have found herself in oblivion with no money, no food, no possession, and possibly would have died back where she belonged. But because she had somebody connected to her that still had faith, she was able to survive. Help me, God. Some of you need to understand that there are some people around you that are struggling, and it is your assignment to grab them and say, there's still hope. You can't die. You can't quit. There's still hope. Some of us have to be a roof to somebody this week. Some of you are going to need to get on the phone and make a phone call to somebody and say, you can't give up. You can't quit. You can't let go. There's still something inside of you. I, I know I'm supposed to be less than. I'm, I'm supposed to be the unbeliever, but I still see something in you. So the Bible says that chapter 2, verse 1, y'all with me? Chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to work, work, work this with me. It says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. It starts off just telling you, pretty much telling you, was getting ready to go down. He was a prominent man of noble character from Emelech's family. Ruth, and Mo, Mo, Ruth the Moabite asked Naomi, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone who allows me to? Watch this. They get to the new land and Ruth does not chill. The moment Ruth gets into the land, she's ready to work. Yes, sir. Amen. Can y'all, uh, yes. are y'all with me? Y'all ready? Yes. Are y'all ready? Yes. Y'all really ready? Yes. She asked her, will you let me go into the fields to gather fallen grain behind someone who allows me to? Naomi answered and said, go ahead, my daughter. Watch this. Naomi knows the word. She's a Moabite, but she knows the word. Which tells us that Naomi must have put something in her for her to know about Leviticus 23 and 22. Because in Leviticus 23 and 22, it says that you're supposed to leave whatever's left after you gather your harvest for the poor. Hmm. And somewhere Naomi got word of this scripture. Y'all with me? Naomi becomes obedient to the word of God. Not Naomi, Ruth. Ruth becomes obedient to the word of God. Y'all with me? Naomi's home, the believer. But the unbeliever heard the word and applies the word. Mm. Y'all quiet. (laughs) So the unbeliever somehow, I don't know how, I'm just going to assume Naomi, tells her about Leviticus 23 and 22, And she applies it. Now, watch this. The word is released. Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered into the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in a portion of the land belonging to. Watch this. Her obedience to God's word led her into her destiny. Say that again. 
Her obedience to God's word led her in to her destiny. She had no idea who Boaz was. This was not her plot to try to trick him or trap him. All she was doing was God's word and bumped into her destiny. You want to bump into God's destiny? Be obedient to his word. Y'all quiet. Help me, Jesus. Don't look for a prophecy. Don't look for a prophet to call you out with an offering. Open your Bible. Read the scriptures. And if you're obedient to these scriptures, it will lead you to your destiny. Man, help me, God. Obedience. Man, this is a hashtag right here. Obedience to God's word leads you to your destiny. And now she bumps into Boaz, who's from Amalek's family. Later on, Boaz arrives and he says to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. They said, bless you. They replied. Boaz asked his servants who was in charge of the harvesters. Who is whose young woman is this? Watch this. Because a lot of folks try to make it a love story at this point. This is not a love story. She's just a foreigner who's following behind his people, picking up the scraps so that she can survive. And it grabs his attention. Her hard work, her dedication, and her, <laughs> and her obedience to God gets the attention of her kinsman redeemer. When you're obedient to God's word, you get the attention of God. Y'all quiet in here. Boaz symbolizes Christ and Ruth symbolizes the church. And when we're obedient as the church to God's word, it gets the attention of Christ to say, who is that? Y'all quiet in here. He says she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. Watch this. She's the young heathen. She the wild girl. He the wild boy. He the one that used to get high every weekend. He the one that's not like us. But Boaz didn't see that. All Boaz saw was obedience to God's word. We spend more time seeing people's past. God sees us being who's on. God looks to see who's being obedient. They knew all her mess. Boaz didn't care. All he wanted to know was who is this being obedient to my word? <laughs> Help me, God. <laughs> Let the folks talk, but keep getting God's attention. Let the people talk about your past and who you connected to and what you used to be. But let God see your obedience. Because when God sees your obedience, it don't matter what anybody else got to say. My question is, are you being obedient to God or are you worried about what everybody in this room has to say about you? She is the young Moabite woman. She asked, will you, go ahead, I'm sorry. She asked, will you let me gather falling grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and she remained from early until now, except when she rested a little in the shelter. Watch this. She works. She's working all day, all night, taking whatever is provided, but trusting God in a strange land. She didn't have to be here. She made the choice to come. She could have stayed in Moab, but she made the choice to come 
and took whatever came with the territory to get to her God, who is Naomi's God. So watch this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field. <laughs> That's favor. When you're obedient to God's word, it draws favor. Don't go, watch this, and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. Why does he say that? Because in those days, the men would do all types of uh, sexual immoral things to women. If they seen you gathering in a harvest and they seen that they were stronger than you, y'all can fill in the rest. But because she was obedient to God's word, Boaz looks at her and not only gives her favor, but he gives her protection. The word not only favors you, but the word also gives you protection. So now Boaz says, don't leave this field. I'm going to make sure that I keep my eye on you so that no weapon formed against you <laughs> shall prosper. So now he makes sure that she stays amongst his other female servants and that so, so that no one else touches her. See which field they are harvesting? Follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? Not one hair of your head is going to be touched as long as you're under the provision of the king. Amen. When you are thirsty... Go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. Watch this. You are a Gentile, but you're going to drink like you one of us. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I don't know how far I should go today. Y'all with me today? Y'all with me today? Carrie, you with me? Jesus came for the Jews. Came for his chosen. But his plan was for all mankind. And when he came amongst his own, his own received him not. <laughs> Help me, God, I'm about to holler in here. When he came amongst his own, his own received him not. But in St. John, the fourth chapter, he went into Samaria, a strange land. And he ran to a woman at the well. And he said, get me something to drink. And she said, you ain't even supposed to be dealing with me because I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. And he said, but if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for water. <laughs> because this gospel ain't just for exclusive people. But this gospel is for all people who will call upon my name. Ruth said in the first chapter, your God will be my God. And the moment that she accepted God as her God, God began to give her water so that she wouldn't have to thirst. When you ex uh, help me, God, when you accept Christ, you your wells will be full. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Amen. So she becomes part of the family. Oh, I'm gonna listen to this podcast tonight. She listens, she accepts God, and now she's provided water. A strange woman in a strange land. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, why are you so kind to notice me? Although I am a foreigner. Watch this. Boaz answered and said, everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death have been fully reported to me. 
how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. How did he get all of that information? He got all of that information from the servant. Boaz got his information from the servant. I'm going to leave this alone. I'm going to leave this alone. Boaz got his information from the servant. Because the servant only speaks of what he is told to speak. St. John, I will send my comforter. I will send my spirit. I will send the Holy Ghost. I will send the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember Abraham, the father of faith, was trying to find a bride for his son. So he sent his servant to go to the son on the behalf of the father. But this time the servant goes to the father on the behalf of the church, who is Ruth. (laughs) Y'all quiet in here. Ruth symbolizes the church. But the spirit is watching the church to give a report to the father of how the church is doing. The question is, does the church have a report that is good so that the spirit can go back and report it to the father? What is the church doing when the father isn't looking? Because although you feel like the father isn't looking, the witness is taking spirit or the spirit is taking witness. And in this text, the witness of the spirit is taking place when Ruth doesn't even know it. Integrity is not what you do when people are watching. Integrity is what you do when no one's watching. And Ruth had integrity when no one was watching. The spirit took notice and went to Boaz. And when Boaz got word of her integrity when no one was watching, favor and blessings begin to fall on her. Because she proved to God that whether or not you're noticing, I'm still living holy. Help me, Holy Ghost. This ain't a Sunday thing. This this ain't a thing I do because y'all here today. This is a thing I'm going to do tomorrow. This is a thing I'm going to do on Tuesday. This is a thing I'm going to do before I get here on Bible study on Wednesday. This is a lifestyle because if the spirit wants to notice me, I want him to have the testimony that the boy is trying to do the best that he can. Yes, yes. Are y'all with me today? Yes, yes. My boring y'all. Yes. So the spirit, or the servant tells him, and he says, May the Lord reward you for all which you have done. And may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, You have been so kind for me. Y'all with me? What did she call him? It's the first time she called him that. When she began to recognize the provision, the protection, and the favor, he now becomes her Lord. (laughs) My Lord, she says, you have been so kind to me, for you have what? Comforted and encouraged your slave. When you do what's right and you trust in him, he brings comfort And he brings encouragement. I hope this is making sense today. Although I am not like one of your female servants. Woo! I got to close here. At mealtime, y'all see, y'all got me flowing today. At mealtime, Boaz told her, come over and have some bread. 
and dip it in vinegar sauce. King James Version says, have some bread and dip it in wine. Have some bread and dip it in wine. Have some bread and dip it in wine. For I am the bread of life. And the wine symbolizes the blood. And St. John 6 says, unless you drink of my or eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you shall have no parts with me. So Boaz says, in order for you to be completely committed to me, I need you to get some bread and dip it in some wine as a communion of me and you. Help me, God. All right, I'm going to leave this alone. Watch this. And when she ate of his body and when she drunk of his blood, she was satisfied and had some left over. What it's telling you is you can't get enough of Jesus for yourself. But after Jesus gives you enough to fill you up, he gives you enough to share it with somebody else. She has enough left over, watch this, to go to Naomi, the believer, who has given up, who has stopped working who has stopped trusting in God, who has become paralyzed by fear, the unbeliever goes in, gets salvation, and brings it back to the believer. Is this making sense? She ate, was satisfied, and had some left over. And when she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So while you're gathering your harvest, take some stalks and leave them on the ground because she has permission to get whatever's left over. <laughs> so I'm going to I'll make it look like she's working, but she ain't really working. She's gathering what I have provided. Because by faith, she's trusted me. Yes. <laughs> Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will, for my, and my, all I need you to do is trust me. You think you're working, but as you're walking, you're pulling up stalks when you only should be picking up scraps. While she's being obedient to the word of God. Are y'all with me? While she's being obedient to the word of God, she doesn't even recognize that she's picking up stalks instead of scraps. That's how God's favor works. You start picking up blessings, not realizing that they're blessings because you're used to scraps. So now she picks up the stalks and he says, don't rebuke her. And she beat out what she had gathered, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. Now watch this. She picked up the grain and went into the town where her mother-in-law saw what she gleaned. Then she bought her out what she had left over from her mill and gave it to her. She's so wonderful. 
and she shows us something there. That whenever God blesses you, it's important that you become a blessing. Mm. She does not get blessings and say, what God has for me is for me. I know some of y'all love that song. It is for me. No, it is, is, but you need to share. You know what happens? We come to church and we take the stalks. We come to church and we take the bread and we drink the wine and we get a word like this and we don't share it for the rest of the week. Y'all quiet. Oh, I'm going to push this podcast this week. Because we done got some stalk, we done got some grain, we done got some bread, we done got some wine, and it's, it, oh my God, it is, it, is, it is impossible for you to call yourself a Christian and God has given you something to leave over and you don't share it this week. And we're not just going to make this spiritual, we're going to make this physical. One thing that I notice, y'all, is when I'm struggling financially, I ask myself, who have I given to? And I find out a lot of times when I go through financial struggle, it's because I was being stingy in that season. Y'all quiet. Well, I don't have nothing to give. Nope, nope, Rachel, go in, in JJ's room and get all the clothes he didn't wear last summer and bless somebody. Y'all quiet. Go, go grab some stuff, some toys that they ain't touched, that's still in the box, and bless somebody. And not only does it make me feel good, but it begins to open up the doors to heaven and show God, God, I have now opened up my capacity so that you can fill me more, so that I can be a blessing even the more. Ruth was opening her capacity up for another level of blessing. Because she was willing to give even at her lowest point. Then her mother-in-law said to her, where did you gather the barley today? And where did you work? May the Lord bless the man that noticed you. That's how you know this wasn't a setup. She never even told her about Boaz. It showed that Ruth was obedient to the word of God. And it led her to Boaz and led her into her destiny. And then when it led her to her destiny and Ruth told her who it was, it clicked to Ruth that this man was a kinsman redeemer. And let's go. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he, may he be blessed. Said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, the man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. <laughs> Wait till y'all get to chapter three and four. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said, told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, my daughter, it is good for you to work with, this female, with his female servants so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and what the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. She did not allow the blessings to make her bougie. I don't have points today, but let's just deal with some points that we talked about today. Point number one, let's deal with the fact that when God 
causes chaos, sometimes it's pushing you into your destiny. Point two, let's deal with the fact that when there's famines in our life, that is not the time to run. But it's a time to trust. Because when we run, we put our families inside of situations that can jeopardize them, if they're le- if, especially men. If we run as men, and our family is supposed to follow us as men, and we're outside of the will of God, and something happens to us, it puts our families in strange places. Number two, number three, the obedience to the word of God will lead you into your destiny. And number four, I just forgot it. (laughs) Praise God. I had it, but I just forgot it. Number four, oh, when God fills you up, remember to give so he can expand your capacity so that you can give more. Amen? Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Let's give the Lord a hand clap. We're going to finish chapter, well, we finished chapter two today. We're going to just rehash chapters one and two. Any questions y'all have, any concerns, any insight, anything you guys want to discuss on Wednesday, I'll be here so we can discuss in Bible study. Next Sunday, we'll be doing chapter three. Fourth Sunday, we'll be doing chapter four, and we're going to shout. Stop. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to serve communion, and then we'll dismiss. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this word on today, God. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place, God. We thank you, Lord, for filling us with your word, for expanding our borders, God, so that we can be a blessing to others, God. Fill our barns, God. Fill our vessels, God. Fill us with your spirit, God, and allow us, God, to share the gospel and share your word with other people, God, that may not know you. We ask, God, on today, God, that you just lead us and keep us, direct us, God. Don't allow us to go astray from your word or from our destiny, God. But keep us established in your word and established, God, in what you have called us to do, God, even when it gets tough. God, just strengthen us and sustain us, God, so that we can make it through the hard times that we may be going through. Because, God, we know that you're able. You're able to bring us out. You're able to keep us. And, God, we're going to continue to trust you. And, Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.